church. You may be seated. Are you thankful for Jesus this morning, church? Amen. God is so good. I'm thankful to serve him. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel, and we're just so thankful that you're here. All the moms in the room, happy Mother's Day. I hope it's been a wonderful day thus far. If you've got kids within the home, I just know that they woke up this morning, they got themselves dressed, they ate breakfast on their own, they gave you a hug and a kiss without fighting. They said, Happy Mother's Day, right, moms? They're like, Not at all. They have no idea what day it is. Well, Happy Mother's Day, moms. We love you. You are very, very special to us. Well, we're still in our series called My Church. And I, last week, Pastor Grant did a fantastic job of discussing our preferences. That when we say yes to Jesus and we get plugged in to a local church, that ultimately, as bad sometimes as we want it to be about us, it's not about us at all, it's all about Jesus. Amen? He did a wonderful job talking about preferences and how we need to look at one another, elevate what a brother and sister in Christ wants over ourselves. And when we do that, Christ is glorified. So I hope you've enjoyed this sermon series. It's been a joy going uh, through it with you. Just a reminder, the book that we're using to kind of outline this sermon series is available to you as a free gift from us back in that Connect Corner. We would love for you to drop by and pick one of those up. Just read what it has to say about church membership. That book is given to every person that goes through our membership class. And we want you to have that as well, just so you can see some expectations that God has for us when we leak arms in the New Testament church. It's been a really good read. It's been a joy to go through this study with you. This morning, the conversation, the topic that we're going to look at is, from my perspective, my opinion, a touch awkward to talk about. This morning, we're going to discuss the church's relationship to the pastor. It can be a bit awkward. No pastor that, that I know loves to stand up here and talk about themselves. And because of this very reason, either out of an abundance of humility, they don't want to be perceived as arrogant, or uh, even fear, they don't talk about this topic. They, they don't discuss what the, the Word of God says about how a congregation should view and treat their pastors. So we're going to go there this morning. We're, we're going to embrace the awkward together. But, but here's my hope, is that when we get done in 30 minutes or so, that, that you wouldn't look back and say, wow, he made that all about the pastors. I hope you will look back and say, wow, he made that all about King Jesus. Because what we're going to do is we're going to look at the Word of God. And what the Word of God says about this topic. Now, my main responsibility is to teach the Word of God. And if this particular topic is found in the Word of God, and I do not teach it to you, I would not be a very good pastor. I wouldn't be teaching you the whole Word of God. So this morning, this is, this is found and this is discussed within the text, within God's Word. So we've got we've to talk about it. So my hope this morning is that you would be taught this precious relationship that you and I have, that you have with your pastors. 
Maybe you've been taught on it. Maybe you have not. I've never preached a message like this, ever. And it's something we need to talk about. If you don't know how to treat your pastors, you don't know. You've never been taught. You've never been instructed from the Word of God. So hopefully this morning, you learned something about this relationship with your pastors. So the title of the message is, I Will Lift Up My Leaders. I will lift them up. I want you to write down that title for today's message. I will lift up my leaders. I'll hold them up. And I'm going to say this. Hopefully you're in agreement. That you have some fantastic pastors and elders here at Holland Chapel. Do you agree with that statement, church? Some really good men here. And I'll make this statement. We need you as much as you need us. We need you. So this morning, hopefully this message doesn't come across as, woe is us, our job is tough, uh, serve us. No, no. This is about our reliance desperately on King Jesus and the people that he places around us. That's what this message is about. I will lift up my leaders. I want to run through a story about Moses. I want you to go to Exodus chapter 17. Exodus chapter 17. We're going to read 10 through 13. It's going to be on the screen if you want to follow along with me. It says, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of a nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. Verse 13, as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. What is this story teaching us this morning? I in no way am comparing your pastors to Moses. Hear me out. But by virtue of calling, God has placed us as leaders of this church. Just like Moses, who in this particular story had to go to battle, so he, he, he looked at Joshua and he says, gather the Israelite army and go out and fight the battle. Meanwhile, I'm going to take these men, I'm going to go up on the hill, I'm going to fight my battle. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. But guess what, church? Did you, did you check out what happened? He could not do it on his own. Couldn't do it on his own. Your pastors here cannot lead on their own. If you were to hem them up and have individual conversations with each of us, you would say, has there ever been a moment in your life where your arms started to fall? And every one of them would say, absolutely. 
But by God's infinite grace and mercy, at some point in whatever season that was, God provided an Aaron or her to come along and hold up their arms. Or maybe give them a stool. And, and, and here's what I want you to know. We need support. We need the support of our church. We need people to come alongside us and hold up our arms. So hopefully this message, you, you, you're not hearing it's all about us. You're hearing that we have a desperate need for Jesus and your help. We need you. I love this story. Moses is a great leader. One of the best that we read about. But he needed help. And we need help. I don't want to generalize, but hopefully everyone in this room would agree that you want Holland Chapel to be a healthy church. Would you agree with that? I'm like this statement. I think Holland Chapel is a healthy church. Would you agree with that? So I, I'm, not, I'm not coming at you this morning, right? We're just going through the series teaching about church membership. What's it look like? I, I'm not getting on to you. I, I'm celebrating the fact this morning that this is a great place. And I'll say that you have some healthy leaders. But check this phrase out. It's going to be on the screen. That healthy churches have healthy leaders. If you want Holland Chapel to continue to be a healthy church, Holland Chapel will need healthy leaders. They will need leaders who have people that hold up their arms and provide a stool. That's what we need. We have to do this together. The congregation and the pastors, we do this together. So there will be kind of a question posed this morning. There will be a, a headline for all your notes. Once you write this down, how, how do I love my pastors well? How do I love my pastors well? How do I make sure that I do everything I possibly can to see to it that the men that God has blessed us with are healthy and cared for and loved? How to love your pastors well. I want you to write this down. This is point number one. Respect or esteem them. Respect or esteem your pastors. It's no secret, church. I imagine you would agree with me. That we live in a time and in a culture that loves to diminish the office of pastor. Would you agree with that? Much of what comes at us is our own fault. But what our culture loves to do, loves to take the failing of one man and put it on the whole category. Don't let one bad apple, one horrific story, change the way you view at pastoral leadership. Don't let it. I know a lot of pastors who are phenomenal men who love the Lord, that love their families, that love the church, that love serving. Don't let what you read change the way you think 
about this position that God has established within the church. Respect your pastors. Listen to me here. This is humbling for leaders. Respect your pastors until we give you a reason not to. Esteem them, the calling that God has placed on their life. If you love the Word of God and the structure of the church, you will value the position of elder pastor. Respect it, regardless of what our society would make of it. You got some good men here that love the Lord and love you. Respect the office of pastor. Had an old timer there in Texas. We were talking about this conversation, about how he's seen the shift of people over the course of a long life start to degrade the office of pastor. He said, boy, back in my day, he said, there was, there was two positions that you respected, a doctor and a pastor. He said, there's only one in each town. You had to. What's happened to that? Some of it's our own fault, sure. But respect the office of pastor. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 13. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peaceably with each other. Let's look at this verse real quick, especially verse 13. It says, show them great respect because of their work. Does this describe you and your attitude towards your pastors? Do you respect them because of what God has asked them to do? I'll say this, that it's easy, listen to this, it's easy to show respect to a pastor when they have your preferred gifting. What do I mean by that phrase? It's easy to esteem a pastor whose gifting directly benefits you. As we talked about in the previous messages, is that each of us are uniquely gifted. When the Holy Spirit indwells us, we are given gifts. And even your team of pastors are gifted differently and uniquely. Because of that, they have a calling to serve you. Respect them and what God has asked them to do, regardless if their gifting benefits you directly. Show them honor and respect because of what God has called them to do. Does that define you and your relationship with your pastors? The next thing I want you to write down is that you need to follow their example. Of each of the points we're going to go over this morning, this is the most humbling for pastors. If we are going to ask you to follow our example, we have to be men worthy of following. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow my example as I pursue Jesus with all that I have. It's biblical. Let's look. Hebrews chapter, thir- chapter 13, verse 7. It says, remember your leaders 
who taught you the Word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. Do you imitate the leaders that God has placed over you? Again, this is humbling for us. Can I ask you to follow my example 24-7? I like to relate this to parents, right? Do you want your kids doing what you do all day long? So this one comes back at us, trust me. But here's what I want to do. Over the last week and a half, I've asked our team of pastors and elders to uh, send me a couple godly attributes that they see in one another. I pose this because if, if we are asking this of you, then we ought to be able to do that with one another. We ought to be able to see what, what God is doing in each of our lives and, and, and follow those examples. So what I, what I want to do here, it's going to be really fun, is we're going to go over the elders and the pastors. We're going we're to put a picture on the screen, and then I'm going to share with you what they said about one another. Are you ready for that, church? First one is Sean Robertson. Oh, cowboy. Cowboy Troy there. What we, what we said about Sean is that he is deeply caring. If you notice what Sean does almost every week, he's more than happy to give his time and have a discussion with somebody in this room about what's going on in their life. He takes time to listen and takes time to pray. I also said that Sean is very bold. The next one is Daniel Langford, one of our elders. What we said about Daniel is that he is a servant. And if you've been around Daniel at all, you know that he is a servant and that he is kind. This morning, he's serving his wife by staying home to take care of a sick little one. Daniel's a servant. Mark Weiss, one of our elders, we said this about old Grandpa Duck Hunter there, right? Living that granddad best life. We said that he is steady and discerning. Next one we have is Pastor Nick Calloway. Loves his kids. Great example of a dad. We said this about Nick, that he is dependable. You can count on Nick and faithful. Dependable and faithful. Pastor Grant Yaza. He's picking out a ball glove. That he is humble. And he's a servant. The next one here is Keaton Harper. Old marathon man. The dude runs for fun. I don't understand that at all. I wrote long suffering about Keaton. He's a glutton for punishment. I don't understand it. Never will. Never will. But we said this about Keaton is that he is patient and he is loyal. Next one is Josh Turner, Mr. Bass, fisherman there. I had a joke earlier in the first service and nobody got caught it, so I won't even say it this go around because there's no fisherman apparently anymore. But we said this about Josh is that he is self-controlled and obedient. If Josh even catches a whisper from the Lord, he chases it down. 
The next is Todd Calloway. He's coaching up a ball team there. We said this about Todd is that he is joyful. If you know Todd, try to catch him without a smile on his face or a joke or a laffy taffy. <laughs> and that he is a great encourager. This next one's super awkward. It's me doing a ponytail there, girl dad life. Any girl dads know about that, right? Right here, I'm doing a high pony. And if the pony's not high enough, we do it again. And then we do it again until it's perfect. But they said this about me, forthright. Had to look that one up. Forthright, you may have to as well. And passionate. You can take me off the screen. Thank you. Why did I do this, church? To show you the men that God has placed as your pastors are just men doing their very best in all of their flaws to love the Lord with everything they have, to be good husbands, to be good dads, to be good granddads, and to serve you well. Are we perfect? Far from it. But hopefully, in each of your pastors, you can see examples of faithfulness. In a world void of examples and role models, I pray that you can look to your pastors and you can imitate them and their obedience. I see so much in the guys that I work with that I strive to be and look like. They're great men. And here's what I want you to do. If you see something in one of your pastors that's an example to you, will you tell them that it's an example? Will you encourage them that way? Hey, I, I see how you interact with your kid on the ball field. I've been watching you from a distance on how you treat your wife. I've been doing it right. Encourage them. Let them know that their example matters to you. It will be wind in their sales. The next one that I want you to write down is that you need to lift them up in prayer. Did you catch that, church? This is probably the easiest and most accessible one to you. The pastors of your church desperately need you to pray for them. Desperately. The Word of God is full of passages directed at God's people, to pray for one another. It is no different in this relationship between you and your pastor. Do you pray for your pastors? Last Sunday evening, we wrapped up a concert. I was walking this way, and Alex Bradford grabbed me by the arm. He said, hey, it's been on my mind and heart this whole day. How can I pray for you? Wow. Just to know that the people of God are lifting us up is such an encouragement. We need you to pray for us. You ever wondered? I've been asked this a lot, right? How, how do I pray for you? Pastor, how, how, can I, how can I pray for you? I want to give you two specific things this morning. If you've ever wondered what to pray for your pastors about, write these things down. They won't be on the screen. You need to pray for our protection. Pray for our protection by virtue of calling. Listen to me. By virtue of calling, what God has asked us to do, 
The target on our back is gigantic. I want you to listen to me, church. You've never been taught this. You may have never been taught this. That Satan hates godly leaders. Did you hear that? He cannot stand us. And because he hates us, he throws a lot of fiery arrows our way. A lot. And we need the intercessory prayers of the church that we pastor on our behalf. Going to God daily for our protection. Protection from what? Let's look at some of the guidelines of a pastor elder. 1 Timothy 3, 2 and 3. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. You ask me why I don't coach my kids' sports events. That's why. I will be fired tomorrow. Lose it. Can't do it. I just don't. Because I love you. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control. Live wisely. Have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home. And he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. Satan wants us to trip in one or all of these. Why? Because he knows if he can get the leaders, he can get you. Pray for your pastor's protection. We're flawed men prone to sin. Pray for our protection. But also, church, pray for our families. Write that down. Pray for our families. 1 Timothy 3, 4 and 5, he must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? No, I'm just not asking you to pray that my children would obey me. I'm asking that you would pray that God would protect our wives, and our kids. If Satan can't get to me, he's going to come after my wife. If he can't get my wife, he's going to come after my kids. We need you to pray for our families, their spiritual well-being, their physical well-being, their emotional well-being. If your pastor goes home and his home is disrupted, he can't pastor you with his whole heart. Pray for your pastors and pray for their families. The next thing that I want you to write down is you need to support them. How is this any different than the first three that I preached about? What do I mean? What do I mean by support them? Church, I need you to understand something, that the main responsibility, not the only thing, but the main responsibility of the pastors of your church is to preach and proclaim the whole gospel. Amen? That's what we've been asked to do. I can't get away from it. That's what God has called me to do, to preach the whole counsel from end to end without wavering, to preach the gospel. Oh, but here's what's happening. 
Here's what's happening. Uh, a, a pastor that I listened to, he said, it's getting hot in the kitchen. In America, it's getting hot in the kitchen. Would you agree with me, church? Oh, do you feel the persecution coming? It's here. I feel the noose tightening around the church. I feel the noose tightening around pastors. I believe that we'll see it in our lifetime, in my lifetime. I believe we will see pastors who boldly preach the whole council persecuted and imprisoned here in America. I believe it. We are called to preach the truth of the gospel. And it is offensive. Tell me it's not to walk up to somebody and say, you're a sinner, you need Jesus. That's offensive. If I was to preach every fact found in the Word of God, someone will be offended. It's offensive, but I can't get away from it. I've been called to preach the whole truth. But when that happens, church, you can look up and find yourself all alone. We need your support. What does Paul say about this? We need you right there with us in the trenches when the kitchen gets hot. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 16. He says, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. May it not be counted against them. What's happening here? Let's go to the beginning of the book to get some context. Chapter 1, 16 through 18. May the Lord show special kindness to Onesiphorus and all his family because he often visited and encouraged me. He was never ashamed of me because I was in chains. When he came to Rome, he searched everywhere until he found me. May the Lord show him special kindness on the day of Christ's return. And you know very well how helpful he was in Ephesus. Why did Paul find himself abandoned for preaching the gospel? In its entirety, when it got hot in the kitchen, he looked up and nobody was with him. And he talks about this special man, Onesiphorus. He said, he never left me. He was always there, waiting to encourage me. Church, listen. We're in for some rough times. The gospel has to be preached in its entirety. There will be some things that we talk about in here that will make you cringe. But guess what? We need you right there with us, arm in arm, arm in arm. Support your pastors in the gospel ministry. We need you. May we never look up and be abandoned. Support your pastors in the work of the ministry. This last one is my favorite. It's going to get some ha-has. Don't be difficult to love. I'm going to say that a little louder for the people in the back. Don't be difficult to love. Don't, don't, don't make ministry tough. It's tough enough. Don't, don't be difficult to love. 
Let's look back to Moses for an example again. What did Moses do? He'd been challenged by God to get the people out of slavery. They were enslaved, in bondage. Moses delivers the people through the power of God. He gets them out of slavery. Miracles happen time and time. He goes up to a big body of water and it separates. They go across. Awesome. And he leads these people out of slavery. He gets them to this wilderness area. They're safe, right? They're, they're, they're delivered. And then the manna starts coming from heaven. And they're tired of the same old food. And just after they got delivered out of bondage, just turn the page. They start to gripe and complain. Is this all the food that we have, Moses? Is this all that God's going to do for us? Just send us back to slavery. We liked it better there. What? As a leader, that's what he's hearing. Are you kidding me? And so, oh, he is just distraught at this point. He goes off by himself. He talks to the Lord, and he's like, Lord, all the griping and complaining, really? Is this all it's going to be? If this is all it's going to be, Lord, kill me now. Look it up. That's what he says. The difficulties caused discouragement. Their complaining caused discouragement. It disrupted his leadership. Be people that are easy to love. It'll be for your benefit. Let's read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says, obey your spiritual leaders. Okay, so here's some responsibility placed on us a lot. It starts with us. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Why? Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. A lot of responsibility, church. It's one that your pastors don't take lightly. But because of this, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. And here comes the warning. That would certainly not be for your benefit. If you are cantankerous, I love that word. What does that just mean? Ornery? If you're just an ornery person, what what does the Word of God say? It's not going to be for your benefit. It's not going to bless your pastors, and you're not going to flourish spiritually. It, It won't help you. Oh, but what does this mean in our conversation? Should you never approach your pastor? Absolutely not. I hope you know that your pastors are approachable and they love you. If you have a concern, share it with us. If you have a critique, share it with us. If you want to express something, talk to us. But do it in love. Amen? Do it in love. We're we're men you can talk to. I hope you know that. But make sure that you're doing everything you possibly can to be easy to love and easy to shepherd. It it will make the relationship better both ways. Trust me. Don't be the person that we want to avoid in the hallway. It's terrible. Don't don't be that one. Be, Be easy to love. It's better that way. We've been changed by the gospel. Love encountered us. In the person of Jesus, demonstrate love. Yes, even to your pastors. 
So how do I lift up my pastors, respect them in a day and age that doesn't respect them, imitate them as they desperately try to imitate Christ, pray for them in all of life's situations, join them in the work of ministry, don't abandon them when it gets hot in the kitchen, and be eager to submit and follow their leadership. In doing this, church, you will sit us down on the rock, you will hold up our hands, and we will push back darkness together. Amen? Let me pray for you. God, we love you, and we are so thankful for your word. We're so thankful that the Apostle Paul was so faithful in talking to churches and encouraging them and teaching them and correcting them and being a champion for them. Thank you for his words that you gave him when he talks about the relationship of the congregation to the pastors. And I'm so thankful. It is a privilege to pastor here. God, thank you for that. Pray for my church, Holland Chapel. Pray for the pastors here that we would be men worthy of following, that you would help us every step of the way as we seek to lead your church. And I pray for this special, precious group of people as they so humbly and eagerly follow our leading. What a beautiful relationship. Thank you, God, for Jesus and the hope that was given on the cross. We ask everything in his precious and holy name. Amen.